0: So kick back, relax, and have some fun with David and Chris. Digital Kill, the Radio Star, starts right now. Alright
1: everybody, welcome back to the Digital Kill, the Radio Star podcast. As always, this is your host David, and I got my good buddy Chris on the line. And Chris, it's been a minute, but how are you doing? Uh... Doing pretty good. Hoping all my uh, shows don't get canceled. Uh, You got to have, as George Michael said, you got to have faith. Man, I just bought, I just bought new show tickets today. So what'd you get? Jerry Cantrell. Cool. At the Fillmore in New Orleans in April.
2: Okay, cool. I got, um, I got rock, um, cheap trick and Roxy blue tomorrow.
1: Uh, uh, buddy, Todd pool is going to be, I bet he doesn't go to spit bed tonight. What do you think?
2: Oh God. (laughs) if, Yeah, he's gonna be. He's gonna be. He's gonna be ready for this one. I'm sure he's gonna be full energy. I mean, as, as if he isn't already. But
1: this I saw one, him, get him. Super I saw light. him at Rock and Pod, and he was already pumped up about it. Wait, why wouldn't you? I mean, it's a rock and roll Hall of Fame band.
2: Yeah, and you know, it's um, you know, I, I don't. We haven't really talked to him a whole lot about. that like, we have some. But some of the package deals and tours that he got back in the day, he didn't get tripped. Yeah, you know, they right. he was doing he was doing tours with uh, Babylon A D and uh, Wildside.
1: Yeah,
2: and both were good bands, by the way. Both of those bands were good. I liked them, you know, especially Babylon A D. But they it was base. It seemed like it was almost kind of a triple header of bands that were kind of close together. It, so I don't know. He did a lot of like the real big shows, and like you said, Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame band is a big band, so. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing both. So I got that I got that tomorrow. I got some other shows that so far I've only had one canceled.
1: Yeah, I haven't had any. I think I'm going uh, it's going to be a last minute thing depending on how covid is, but I think I'm going to go see my morning jacket on Halloween in New Orleans. Oh, that'd be cool.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I've got I've got um so Country Westerns canceled. And maybe it was cuz it must have been at first I was kind of I was pissed about it, but then I saw that they announced some shows, so I guess it was because of because um, of Bobby Bear that they uh, that they ended up canceling because our Bobby Bear Junior. Because looks like they've got some solo dates going, but that one was canceled. I, I'll see that show tomorrow. I've got coming up in September. I've got Sunvolt here in Memphis. I've got. Um, in September Lucero is playing a show I've got uh, what we've talked about Billy Idol in Vegas in October and then uh, Buddy and I got tickets for uh, a co-headline of Bad Religion and Alkaline Trio in Atlanta that's late October so in that one I, I'm hoping they say that one even, doesn't even kick off until late October so It'd be foolish to cancel that right now because if we're if we're following – not that this is a health show, David, but if we're following trends of the UK, we should really be going down by that point. And if we're not cance- – I mean, if most tours aren't canceling now – and by the way, it seems like I was, I was telling um, a buddy – we were talking about this today. His buddy and I, and I told him, I said, it seems like the ones that are canceling are the ones that, I mean, honestly can afford to higher status bands. Oh yeah. Lower level are still trying to go. Now Bad Religion and Alkaline trio that's not a good example because those bands probably do pretty decent, but most of the bands
1: we're going to see, they're not setting the world on fire. Yeah. Well, most of the big ones are, there's a decent amount on their I'm going to see the, the Crows in two weeks. It's outdoors in Birmingham at Oak Mountain. They're rolling along. Um, their meet and greets look kind of weird though. Uh, you can't get within six feet of them. <laughs> and so they just have this like black crows backdrop. And then it's like you stand in here and then there's Chris and rich. <laughs> well, did you see what your favorite band kiss did? What's that?
2: They stand behind plexiglass, like this big wall of plexiglass. They stand by, they like, walk right up in front of them. <laughs> Chris,
1: right, I got to believe you get a discount for that. One. If you ever see that I've done a kiss meet and greet, first of all, no, I've been kidnapped, and it's a sign of help. And if I ever, if I ever do a kiss, meet, greet in front of plexiglass, they have my wife as well. <laughs> no, it's the it's the glass of an insane in a, an insane asylum. <laughs>
2: <Holy>. <laughs> They've got you locked up, and Kiss is visiting you.
1: <laughs> Holy cow, man! Oh man! Well, I hate to be a Debbie Downer, but Charlie Watts died today.
2: Yeah. You know, it, it, is, it is a bummer. Um, he had a good run, though. He did. And it's uh, I've enjoyed watching uh, a reading, a lot of the tributes to him. My favorite was the Ryan Adams one. I sent you that on Instagram. I don't know if you read that have chance pretty, to. That one was pretty awesome. I sent it to you on Instagram. You read that one. And um, Mike Ness was pretty cool, too. You know, a massive fan. And it just said no words. And, look, I mean, we can't. We can't be surprised because this wasn't, you know, this wasn't the drummer of, uh, I, I'm trying to think of somebody. I don't want to put a curse on somebody, but somebody that, this isn't a 50-year-old drummer. Right. But way before their prime. We've, the Rolling Stones, like you said, they've, they've really had a good run because you think about it.
1: He was in the band 58 years. And
2: of that, of that original five, you've got, up until today, you had four of them.
1: Yeah. Yeah
2: because yep. Wyman's still going. He's just yeah. not.
1: And he's old not, as he's yeah. old as Methuselah. He's really old. I got, Watts is
2: the second oldest, right? Yes.
1: What well, the, yeah. the, the ironic thing is, Watts was the one that led the cleanest life. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I tell you, one of the things I've always liked about watching his drumming is he takes he truly takes that jazz approach. And like you know, normally when you're riding the hi hat, they just keep riding. He's he's pulling off of it on that. You know, I don't know the technical <laughs> term, but x number of beats instead of hitting it he's actually pulling pulling back on it and you know they've already got the guy lined up for this tour that starts in a couple of weeks but man i can't imagine taking his spot in that van and even remotely sounding like that Cause he's the only person i've ever seen in rock that plays like that and it's a, it's a it's a jazz approach you know even to the way he held his drumsticks but uh, yeah, that's a bummer. And, and the cool thing is, if you ever go see The Sto- the Stones, he always gets the biggest response when they introduce him. And it embarrasses him. And so Jagger purposefully makes it last even longer, you know? Hey, where does the quote come from, by the way, speaking
2: of Jagger? Because I saw it a couple of times today where they said that, uh, I guess he corrected somebody when or somebody said uh, Jagger's a singer and he said no, or they said uh, about him being J- uh, Jagger's drummer. And he said, no, he's my, he's my singer. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Something
2: like that. Yeah. yeah.
1: That's pretty, that's pretty funny. Well, you know, my dad was telling me he read an article, said the only thing that Keith and Mick have ever agreed on was that Charlie had to be in the Stones. Uh, and yeah. I, I saw where a couple of years ago, Keith said, no, Charlie, no Stones. Uh, I mean, obviously that's going to, you know, that's going to change here in a couple of weeks, but. The guy that they've got, I've never heard of, but apparently he is a monster in the drumming world. Um, so. Yeah,
2: it always it always sucks when the when they go. Like I said, this isn't one you could get too surprised by, just because you know, Mother Nature. I mean, it, it's it's gonna happen, and uh, it's a big one. You know, there's a there's not a lot of the the greats that are. That are late, the real greats that are still going. You know, you've got McCartney and Ringo. You've got Keith, Page,
1: Page and Plant.
2: Yeah. Um
1: It starts then the, the Clapton, list the list Clapton's the list there. starts going down real quick after that.
2: It does, because then then you're starting to move into I mean, I know I know it'd be it's pretty it'd be pretty tragic for you when Gene or, or uh, Paul go. <laughs> I know that's going to be tough, uh, or Peter, or, or Ace. or I mean, hell, it's going to be rough when Vinny dies for you. So, I mean, hang in there, buddy. I'll, I'll be there for you when it happens. Um, but, you know you just jinxed them. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to all the Kiss fans. But, um, yeah, no, it's it's uh, now, I mean, next up, man, the guys that, and it's already happened a decent amount, but the guys we really grew up with. Yeah, you know, that's next up. And, and we were talking, we were having a conversation not long ago when um, when Jeff died. Yeah, the, that was one of one from our youth, and we were in that group text that we're in, and we we're talking about you now a lot of these cats aren't going to be. They, they can't do these. They're not going to be torn a whole lot longer because more and more members are going to start going off. Especially you know they the the lives that that generation lived, the, the these guys that we grew up on, but. Yeah, man, it's always tragic. Great, 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 great band. Um just lost one of its originals and
1: one of the one of the world's best rock drummers. Alright. Next question. What'd you think about the new Guns N' Roses song?
2: On a scale of one to ten, about a negative three.
1: Absurd. Absurd. Yeah, absurd
2: was absurd was absurdly bad. Have what you about read you
1: have you read the lyrics to it? No. Oh my gosh, they're awful. Uh I think it's pretty bad. I think I'm worried if the fact that they released it makes me worry that the material on the new album is just going to be songs that he wrote. Uh, Cause this, this song apparently has been around a long time. It's just going to be songs that he wrote for Chinese democracy and he gets Duff and Slash to play on them.
2: Yeah. Which, which does show you as big of a name as, as Slash is that uh, if they're putting out that kind of stuff, which Slash has never put out in his career, then what kind of say does Slash have? Huh? I said, if they're putting out music like that, when Slash has never done anything that's straight-ahead rock and roll, it makes you wonder, man, how little say he must really have in Guns N' Roses.
1: He's probably getting paid a lot of money. Well, I'm
2: sure he is. And Duff has never done anything quite like that. I mean, he's changed a little bit. You know that solo record he did, which was really, really good. Um, but man, this type stuff—it it was, yeah, it was bad. It—it it was. It just it, the the level that it was was um it was a you know th- that that song was like one of the most of the tracks on Chinese uh, democracy. You know there were a few good ones, but for the most part, most of them I just don't like. And it really sounded like it would have fit in the middle of that awful
1: record. Yeah, I've become friends with a guy that has that Appetite for Distortion podcast, and he was saying that uh, it was originally called Silkworm, and it was recorded, but with different vocals. So, But he's saying that Slash and Duff playing on it. So, All right, Chris, so file this under things I never thought I'd say to you. How about that new Deaf Heaven? You just cut out. Sorry. I said file this under things that I th- never thought I would say. How about that new Deaf Heaven? <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. All right, let's go there. Um, I really, really like it. I think it's a great, great album. I'm listening to it a lot. I've, it's a really, really good album, and it'll, without question, probably be one of my top albums of the year, but without question. I love the band. Anybody that's listened to us knows I love this band, and I love all of their albums. Sunbather to me. Is one of my favorite albums of all time. So obviously, when a band that makes one of your favorite albums of all time completely changes course, it it's a little disappointing. But the music is so good, you do forgive them. And you know that was something that I said that that I uh, I meant when we had Joey Z from Life of Agony on. That the one thing about them is they've made changes to their sound and they haven't lost me. A lot of bands make those changes and they lose you. Deaf Heaven certainly didn't lose me. They may lose, they'll lose inevitably some of their fans because that's just not, style, that's not what made them love Deaf Heaven, but I think they'll gain a lot more. And the music is great. It's uh, and, and if you've, if you're just hearing us talk about Deaf Heaven, or maybe you have heard us talk about it, but you never listened to them up until this album, they were, you could call them. I guess the best would be black gays, and just a mix of shoegaze and black metal. And uh, they would they would do the blast beats, screeching vocals, black metal riffs, along with melodic music and distorted music that could come off of a, a riot album or a slow a, a slow dive album. I mean, any of that. But this one I uh, I do really like it. They they just they put out this new album and it goes they lose the black metal. The blast beats are gone. The metal riffs are gone. Still some some cool riffs on it, but it's definitely more in the vein of the the shoegaze. And there are if I'm not mistaken there are how many al- how many songs are on this album? Is it 8 or 9? See. It's it, Nine, and if I'm not mistaken, I think there's three songs that he screams in, and it's not the, um, it's more like in the background, but that's how they've always been in fairness, but they, but it's not, the, it's not the majority of the song. It may be 10% of the vocals and it's always at the end. And it just so happens that those are, and it's not just because of the screaming, but those three songs are my favorite ones, which are great massive color Dylan and the last one. Lumbasa, I guess that's how you'd say it. Um, which that one is probably my favorite one. The last one. Which final things I'll say, and then I'll let you speak on this. It this is a which really most of their albums are, particularly Sunbather and now this one. They sit down and listen to the whole albums because they flow. They go from point A to point B, and they just make great transitions. And it's all this build-up. You get these certain levels of intensity that come in, and then when they go out on that final song, it just gets blistering there for a second, and it just abruptly ends. I mean, just complete stop, no fade-out, nothing. And I love the way you go from point A to point B on this album.
1: I like it. I like it a lot. My favorite songs are Great Mass of Color, In Blur, and uh, Villain so far. Um, I think in has got the most the, the lyrics. They're easiest to, to follow, to understand. Uh, yeah, I really like it a lot. I have listened to it all the way through, probably about three times, and uh, it it's growing on me. I love it's it's so atmospheric. It is. It's just got a great vibe to it.
2: It's going to be interesting to see how they do the, How they do live now. First of all, they may be able to play. They probably pl- play about. I think when I saw them, they played seven songs. <laughs> And these songs aren't quite as long. They're, they're still long. They're longer than the average song, but maybe they'll with these songs. It may be eight, maybe nine songs that they play, and it'll just be interesting to see how they split up the old and the new. Um, I'll be really interested to see. Which, by the way, you know, I was thinking about something. It you can think. Well, it's sometimes you think. Well, it's been a long time coming. They've been progressing this way, but they haven't because after Sunbather, they got heavier. And then, um, God, why can it not? A oh, new New Bermuda. It's the name of the record. It got heavier. Then the new, the the one that came after that, Ordinary Corrupt Human Love. Uh, probably a mix of the two. And certain parts, like the first track, you can see maybe they are headed a little bit more in this direction. But a few months after that album was released, they released an album. I think I it was a song. I believe it's called Black Brick. Just one song. David, you would absolutely hate it it is the most black metal song they've ever done. And um, so it's kind of like, whoa, is this what's coming? And man, did they surprise you by releasing that track and then coming out with, uh, with this album. Yeah, I really do
1: like it. Well, another album that came out that is, I don't see how anything unseats it is the new album from the killers, pressure machines. Um, I had, I've, I've touched, telling chris earlier i really like the first two killers records and then after that i kind of pick and choose a little bit and so the the last two records just kind of lost me and honestly i for even completely forgot this was coming out to you text that it was good and i listened through it all the way through and it's the most i've ever enjoyed an album through one listen in my life And I can't tell you how many times I've listened to it all the way through. It's got to be like 25 or 30. Like several times at work, going to work, coming home from work. Last night I laid in bed and listened to it. And for those that don't know, it's a concept album. And it's about um, Brandon Flowers growing up in Nelphi, Utah, which was a small town. And uh, there's two versions of the album. There's an abridged version that doesn't have the interviews before each song. And when I say interviews, it's, it's people talking and somehow it relates to the song. So like, um, uh, the song of quiet town, it's all about how every couple of years, somebody gets killed by the train. Well, the song, the show, the song starts off him talking about two people that were killed by the train. I did some research. That's a true story. And he really knew these people. And, uh speaking for someone that grew up in a small town, I can identify or know somebody that can identify with every song on the album. And he does a really, really good job of talking about the good things about small towns and the terrible things about small towns. But at no point in the, in the songs is he judgmental. And some of them he does from, you know, the uh, point of view of the character, for instance, there's a song called cody well if you ever grew up in a small town there's always somebody that doesn't fit in it's a little bit weird people say oh he's a devil worshiper or you know he's a schizophrenic or something and the parents always try to like you know pawn it off that oh there's nothing wrong with him he's okay he's just a little different well this song in essence is about somebody like that and then he's got songs like uh uh Oh gosh, Quiet Town, which kind of talks about all the problems of a quiet town, but at the same time talks about all the good points. He's like, these are good people that don't deadbolt their you know, their doors at night. And then the opening song, West Hills, is really kind of sets the mood for the album that it's somebody making some bad decisions, but the reasons why they make bad decisions. But um, I, I just think it's phenomenal. And there's a couple of times in it where it's got a classic killer sound for a little bit, like, uh, on, uh, in a parked car that has some moments, uh, the bridge going into the solo on Cody has its moments. And, uh, there's a couple on a quiet town, but other than that, uh, it's a, it's a, you know, marked departure, the closing song on the album, the getting by is one of the more beautiful songs I've heard in a long time. And the only song I don't really like is desperate things. And it's not like the lyrics are great, but it's something to do with the cadence with which he sings it is a little off-putting, but, uh, all in all, just a phenomenal album. I don't know if I've ever listened to one this much right when it came out.
2: Well, you know, I've listened to it probably at least 20 times myself and I had already planned on listening to it. And in some ways, reluctantly. And I say that because I, mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of the uh, the first Killer's record. Um, I'm a big fan of. I, I thought I thought um, Day and Age was pretty good, and and then I uh, Samstown I thought was incredible, and then I liked um, I really like Battle I, I think it got, didn't really get the the praise it deserved, and then the last one, or the one that came next, I didn't really enjoy it, and the one after that, I, I just didn't like it at all. And so I say all that. That's a long buildup just to say I didn't I didn't have real expe- expectations. I'd seen them as going down for a while, and then they put this they put this out. And I knew I was going to try and listen to it, and a buddy of mine he he sent me a text about it, and he was listening to it, and he talked. But she was enjoying it, and he said it had a little hint of Americana in it. And so I thought, all right, I'm gonna check this out. Which, by the way, I didn't. I, I'm gonna shift for a second. I didn't know that there was a, a version that didn't have the uh, storytelling yeah. in it. Yeah. How do you know which one you're getting? It's well, at least it's on Spotify. It just says abridged. Okay. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't know if that's if you can buy a, a, a version like that or not. That I but, that I don't know. But those stories are essential too. Yeah. I mean, it makes it makes the listen even better. And yes, this is a concept album. But what I really like about it is um, it's true stories. It's not just make-believe. And I like the make-believe concept albums, too. I, I do. But this one, the flow of it is so good. When I first heard this album, I thought, this, and I'll I text you this, this is his Nebraska. Uh, Brandon Flowers, The Kilders. This is their Nebraska. Bruce Springsteen's Nebraska. Even the cover reminds me of Nebraska. That small-town look in black and white. And there is such a Springsteen influence. I already know Brandon Flowers is a big Springsteen fan. But there's such a big influence on on the songs Quiet Town, um, the getting by Desperate Things, which I, I love that song, by the way love it and it really reminds me of something that could have been on Nebraska but I can't recommend this album enough it's 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 the best one they've done I can say that and I just said I am a really big fan of three of their albums prior to this day and age I liked and this one is just it's uh man it's perfect. That's all I really can say.
1: It really is. I'm a member of their um, one of their Facebook fan groups, and there's there's a portion of the fan base that's upset with it. Uh, but I'm like, it doesn't matter that they change styles. It's a great album.
2: Well, what did I just say about Death of It? Same thing I said about Life of Agony. If you can make the transition and it works and it sounds good, like Metallica can't make the transition. Uh, to me, that's just me. They couldn't do it successfully if you can do it if the music's good the music's good and i know this isn't what made them famous it it's their best one and i think i read brandon flowers he wasn't even intending to write anything like this he just started writing during covid writing songs about his town and this is what happened and if you want to know what these songs are about you get on um you can just get on on apple music and there's a a little basically a paragraph on every single song from Brandon Flowers. So really, really cool. But um, another, I I was gonna mention though, and then I I, I wanna, I got two albums I wanna mention. Um, Do you have any other albums? Okay. One, I would just say, I I gotta throw this in. Uh, It's not, and honestly, some of it, I told you, David, you might like, but um, it's U-N-R-E-Q-V-I-T-E-D. We've talked about them before. Uh, I think it's a one-man thing. He does have all the instruments, and he put out a new album called Beautiful Ghost, and it is kind of more in that black gaze atmospheric type, and it is the the black metal style vocals. But it's probably man, I bet you sixty to seventy percent of the album is just instrumental. Really good. Uh, I I would recommend that album, and the next one. And this will, because we already talked about the killers. Well, there was another concept album that was released. I don't know if you've heard this one. Sturgill Simpson put out one last Friday, and it's called "The Ballad of Dude and Juanita." And um, it's a, uh, I think it's a, it, I believe this is about it's a Western story, post Civil War, and uh, it's really really good. You know, you didn't know, you don't know what to get out of Sturgill, man. The Dude's all over the map. He puts out two country records to kind of experiment a little. Then he gets more experimental on his third. Then he puts out a rock record that I was so disappointed that he did until I heard it and said, okay, he just released his best record yet. Again, if you can pull it off, doesn't matter. Then he does reworked versions of his songs on these folk albums. Now he comes up with a straight, old, traditional country record, and it's really, really good. So,
1: two concept albums, you take it away. So we thought what we would do is talk about concept albums um, this week since we talked about The Killers and Sturgill Simpson. Um, Concept albums, to me, are very hit or miss. Sometimes they're really, really good, and sometimes they're awful, much like double albums usually are. Um, But, uh, I mean, the first one, I think... I guess it would either be Sergeant Pepper's or Tommy. I don't know which one came first. <laughs> At least it got like you know mainstream notoriety and success. But uh, they seem to kind of be a big thing in the seventies, and uh, seem to be kind of making a return. You see a lot of like prog metal bands have concept albums, and uh, I know like you know Green Day has done a one or two concept albums. So sometimes it's, the concept is loosely based. Sometimes uh, it's more actual an actual narrative like uh operation mind crime but uh so what we thought we would do is each of us talk about our five favorite concept albums and just uh, maybe tell a little bit of the story
2: yeah yeah that'll work uh, you want me to go sure I'm gonna so I'll just start with the one I'm gonna hand it over to you and my first one I do want to get out as in I told I already told David I already prepared him for this I cheated because um, I was able to package two into one so I can get my. get. So I technically have six, but I'm counting it as five. But that's uh, something we've talked about. I've talked about these albums a lot. Um, Life of Agony, the first one they did, 1993, River Runs Red. And um, if you've never heard me talk about it, you never heard this album. They Life of Agony started out as more of a New York City hardcore band, but a melodic hardcore. And they made this album that was about a kid that is very, things aren't going well in life. Everything from school to his job to his parents always fighting seemed like a very abusive home. And um, songs are really telling the story. And at the end of the album, it's pretty messed up because you you hear the faucet dripping and his mom's screaming at him. She opens the door, and she starts screaming, oh, my God. So you know what happens. He committed suicide. Well, fast forward to 2019, so 26 years later, they released an album called The Sound of Scars. And I, uh, I was like, man, what? How are they doing this? And like, we, Dave and I were lucky enough to inter- interview Joey Z, and he said that Alan Robert, the bassist and primary lyricist, Songwriter said, Hey y'all hear me out. What if he lived? And so they pick up with them getting him out of the bathtub and taking him on an ambulance ride. And then it goes on through him as an adult with a with a wife, getting in therapy, and the last song, I surrender, is just kind of like the lights the light shines. And he's okay, and he moves on. So it goes from very dark to very happy. And so these two albums, I, I, there it's probably been done before, but it's the first time I've known two to really make con- a continuous story, two albums like that. And they're both really, really good records. Um, I I highly recommend them. You know, you go to the first one, you try songs like River Runs Red, Underground, Through and Through, Bad Seed, and the last one they did, Sound of Scars, Scars. Blackheart, Lay Down, that last song, I Surrender. I, I just really love these records, and I thought what they did was so, so, so creative.
1: I that the, I mean, it's cool that they waited that long in between the two of them.
2: It is well, you know, and the thing is, I, I, they they never intended that to be. And remember, I think I asked him. He said, did "Y'all know that y'all believe that he died." And I think he said, "Yeah." If I'm not mistaken, I think he said, "Yeah, we just kind of considered he died." But it's cool because they left it. It's not like this was Michael Myers getting killed where he, he should have definitely been dead. You don't know You just assume and the way they picked it back up and they turned a really bad story into a positive and um, forget the stories, lines of the two and the creativity. They're both just really, 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 good records.
1: Well, when I think of my favorite concept albums, Always go to Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon, which in a lot of ways, if you read about the recording of it, uh, the recording techniques were so far ahead of their time. Drum loops, synthesizers, uh, things of that nature. Uh, it was really when Pink Floyd became Pink Floyd. They, they were hit or miss up until that point, and uh, they really sunk their teeth into this one. To me, the clarity with which it was recorded, it sounds like it was recorded today, and it was so unique how they just went around interviewing people in the building and just giving them a microphone and asking them questions about mental illness, you know, aliens and every, all this crazy stuff and whatever people were saying, they put on, they incorporated into a song. And so, I mean, obviously money was the big hit, but it's also uh, about like the things that drive you crazy. And anyway, it's just mental health is a big part of the, the theme to the, the album. And, One of the things I always thought that's cool about it is there's no break in the music. It's all one continuous movement. And uh, so I always thought that was cool. They kind of pioneered that. And then uh, some of, you know, um, Gilmore's best guitar work on, on time. And you have us and them, which just really showcases Rick, Wright And just kind of the ethereal floating um, music that they became, came to be known for. And then you've got, instrumentals on there like any color you like um obviously it has to be the top selling concept album of all time uh and i would i would say most people would would rank it in the top three or four uh never never gets out it was on the charts for like 20 years or something like that so anyway they they you know they went on to do some other they became a concept album band the next four album one two three yeah, the next four albums were all concept albums, so uh, yeah. When I think of concept albums, that's the first one that comes to mind for me.
2: Well, I guess I never really knew the um, the meaning of that record. I mean, I've heard it so many times myself, and I do enjoy that album. But I and I knew it was a concept. Never really knew the meaning. And sometimes they are they aren't the the super easiest record to follow. You know, we we talk about um, the Life of Agony ones. You, you it's pretty easy to pick up on. And, um, sometimes they're, they're, they're not. And one that I would name next that is a perfect example because I don't know what in the hell he's talking about. And it also never stops. Music never stops. And that's neutral milk hotels in the airplane over the sea. Yeah. Supposedly this is loosely based on or inspired, whatever by Anne Frank. Now, if I'm, I got to be honest, I haven't sat there and really broken down the lyrics. And if I did, I'm not sure it'd make a whole lot of sense, but I know what supposedly motivated him. I know that it is a concept record and I love this album. That's why it went on my list. It's, um, you know, it does actually, as I'm reading through here, it says, uh, does say although there's little concrete information as to the genesis of some of the lyrics because again like i said it's all over the place man i mean it you can't really decipher what he's talking about it says that mangum has stated a major influence was anne frank um and it says before recording on avery island mangum read the diary of a young girl a book of writings from frank's diary that she kept while hiding in the during the nazi occupation of the Netherlands. He was deeply affected by the book and spent about three days crying, having dreams of traveling back in time and saving her. It says tracks such as Holland, 1945 and ghost incorporate elements of Anne Frank's life into lyrics. Uh, And it says, as a result, some listeners have labeled in the airplane over the sea as a concept album. Um, This is one of those ones that too, it's uh, I realize this is kind of the, the super trendy indie darling pick, but um, this is one where it's uh, it's justified, man. I mean, it it it's it's worthy of all the the acclaim that it gets. Um,
1: but nobody ever talks about anything else they did.
2: Well, there's only one, really one other record, and that was that one on Avery Island. And, and if I'm not mistaken, Mangum is is just a total total recluse and uh actually so let me as i'm reading through this let me find this because i've always heard that it says after the album's release neutral milk hotel's heightened profile had a negative effect on mangum he grew tired of touring and having to constantly explain his lyrics and his mental health began to deteriorate in 2002 mangum said a lot of the basic assumptions i held about reality started crumbling he would sometimes shut himself inside his home for days on end and hoarded hoarded rice preparation for the possible y2k problem the guy doesn't sound like he's the most stable i mean let's just be honest and he did this was i bet you this was uh at least six seven years ago he toured and he played this album in its entirety and i did i did catch it i catch it one of the shows and it was really really cool but that tour is the only thing I really know that he's done much of since he put this album out. And this album came out, when was it, 98, February of 98. And the guy's barely done a thing. So, um, yeah, I think he's just a different cat. But it's a good album. If you haven't heard, heard it, I'd recommend it.
1: It's always in those best of lists. Yeah, that it see. is. It is. Uh, I need I need to I think I listened to it one time. We have some I have some friends that are like, Oh you gotta listen to it. It's one of the best albums of all time. But uh yeah,
2: that's I think you'd like a lot of it. You know, at least listen to uh listen to the title track in there, playing over the city, The King of Carrot Flowers is amazing, ghost, communist daughter. Good songs.
1: All right, so sticking with Pink Floyd, uh, their nineteen seventy seven album, Animals, it's one of my favorite Pink Floyd records and it doesn't really have a single or a hit on it. It's got two songs that are like a minute and a half long, and then it's got three songs that are like ten minutes long. Um, it has to do with the political climate in England in the 1970s, and Roger Waters' just ultimate disdain for uh, so many people, in, you know, in authority. Um, the it's you know it has something to do also with the the book Animal Farm, but. The song Dogs, David Gilmour's best guitar work, I think, outside of Comfortably Numb. Uh, It's one of the, probably one of my, that's one of my top two or three favorite Pink Floyd songs. Pigs, three different ones. It's just a juggernaut live. Uh, Maybe Water's best vocals. It's definitely his most biting lyrics. I mean, it's just brutal lyrics. And then Sheep, uh, which is a song that a lot of people just go nuts over. I'm just kind of so-so on it. So basically, I'm, I'm, you know, picking the album because I love dogs and three different ones so much, but this was the tour where somebody threw a firecracker on stage and Roger Waters spit on the fan and where he came up with the concept. He wishes he could just play behind a wall. And that's a very famous Montreal show, but uh, it's one that like casual Pink Floyd fans probably don't listen to. And the average fan knows nothing about came out in between wish you were here, which was massive and the wall. Uh, But ultimately it kind of led, from what I understand, it started the the downfall of the band because it became Waters versus Gilmore. Um, But uh, easily, easily one of my favorite concept albums.
2: Well, you know, if I was to, if I was to pick an album of um, Pink Floyd's to listen to, that's probably going to be it. Yeah, it's the I, I I do really, really enjoy that one. Um, you know, the next one I picked, and, you know, it's funny, David, as we're talking about this, and I'm looking at this, reading this, on um, as I had this pulled up, just looking at reading at something, and they're mentioning, you mentioned this earlier, um, Sergeant Peppers, and that's one I could have easily put on my list, but I, for whatever reason, I think Beatles, and it just didn't, it didn't really just pop in my head, I could easily, it could easily go on there, um. So I'm actually feeling like a kind of idiot not putting on there, but we'll pretend to have that on there. Um, I went with one just because I thought it was a really cool idea and the whole theatrics around it, um, almost Bowie-like. And that was My Chemical Romance. And, you know, I don't really listen to these guys much anymore. It was a, it was a different time when this was back early 2000s when I was listening to a lot of the emo stuff. And um, these guys were a little bit more harder and edgier than just your typical emo band. And they were really good songwriters and they had uh, that album three cheers for sweet revenge. I think it was what it's called it. And it did really, really well. And then they come out with this concept album and it's called the black parade and it's a, what they call rock opera. And it's, it's centering around what they call the character of the patient. And the patient dies of cancer and comes and the death comes for him in the form of a parade. Hence the black parade. And, um, it does sound where they said, where they're referring instead of just thought of as a concept album. It does have more of that kind of rock opera sound. And, um, you know, I haven't really listened to it in a, in a while, but I just know that it was, this was one that I think was a little bit different. It was a very serious topic that they that they built this around, being cancer. Um, but it had some really good songs on it: "Dead," "Welcome to the Black Parade," "Cancer," "Famous Last Words." Uh, I always just thought this was uh, this was a really cool record.
1: You know, they're really liked by a lot of metalheads. Well, and
2: notice I did say they they were a little bit edgier than. Um, there's there's a few of those emo bands that have kind of survived, you know, just like in hair metal, in grunge, um, in thrash. There's always a couple that make it and can stay for, respected, and if they still play, somewhat relevant. Now these guys don't play anymore; they're not active. But you know, in the whole emo thing, I think of My Chemical Romance, um, Taking Back Sunday. There's just, a, there's a few of those bands that I think are looked at with a lot of respect. Like taking back Sunday, if they play a festival, they're probably going to have a pretty, pretty nice time slot. They have, a, they still have a big following, but yeah, you might, I mean, you might want to check this out. You probably would
1: like some of the songs. Oh, I've heard, ones. I've heard a few of them for sure. It's, it's a good record. Um, I didn't know you were an emo guy.
2: I listened to it a lot in, the early 2000, but there was some good stuff. Some of it got really predictable, um, just like any other genre. It got really cheesy. It was a bunch of copycats. Uh, just like we said, Glam, the pop punk of the late 90s, early 2000s. They, it all just got really repetitive. But Taking Back Sunday and My Chemical Romance, those are two that I, I will still listen to.
1: Um, I got to say, a lot of my albums that I really came to like over the years, when I started to really like when I was in graduate school and there was one year I lived by myself. And so I'd spend most of the day in class, and at night, come home, and to relax, I would play uh, Madden on the PlayStation, or MLB, the show, on PlayStation. And that was back, uh, you know, you'd have to put a CD in the CD player. Mm-hmm. And so, um, Ryan Adams, Cold Roses, that's how I became such a big fan of it. And then, the same process, I became a massive fan of the Flaming Lips album, Yoshimi Battles the Pink Robots which obviously has their biggest hit on it. Do you realize, but I didn't even, I, <laughs> you did try, not realize, I did not realize that was even <laughs> on the album. I had just read a bunch of, you know, articles saying it was one of the best albums to come out of the decade and stuff. So I went and bought it without hearing it. And I just got to where I'd put it on in the background while playing video games. And I just would put it on repeat. It listen to it over and over and over again. And yeah, it's got a weird storyline. You know, obviously it's a sci-fi concept, but, uh, the flame of lips at times can be geniuses. And then at times you're like, what's going on here. And this is one of the times that they hit it out of the park. Uh, the opening song, uh, flight test, absolutely love. And then it gets into like a breakdown of these different suites. And then obviously you have, uh, in the summertime, do you realize? So I really like this album. I like the soft bulletin and I like the one that came after this album. And for the life of me, I can't remember the name of it right now, but, uh, they're an interesting band. I've always wanted to see them live uh, just because it's a spectacle. Uh, but this one, I think they won a Grammy for the the final song, I think, is a instrumental. and I think they won a Grammy for that song. But just a weird, weird band. But they, they were clicking on all cylinders there for two or three albums. They're a fun band. A uh, fun band to see live. I, I've seen them, seen them a
2: couple times. One time I told you I saw them. Which is such a weird pairing, but when Candlebox was on that, at the peak of their their fame, they opened for Candlebox. I can see it. And that. Uh, and they had, uh, I just remember they had, it was like Christmas lights completely wrapped on on their instruments, just then in their in their entirety. So it really just stood out. But then I've seen, yeah, like you said, they're a spectacle now to see it's, as it's gotten big, and it's been years. Since I've heard this album, I, I really don't have a lot to say about it. I, I never disliked it. I never did, but it never it never grabbed me. And they're one of those bands that um, I think what I just said about that album is how I feel about them. I, I think they do some really cool stuff, some borderline genius stuff. And like you said, they can lay some duds, but uh, they're a cool band because I do respect the originality of the band. For sure. Well, so I've got my next one is uh, one of my favorite albums. I got to put this in my, probably in my top 20 albums. And that is Titus Andronicus, an album they have called The Monitor. This thing came out in 2010. It's it's mainly one guy who does all this stuff. But he, I mean, he does have people that participate on the albums and all. And I don't... They're not the most steady, like, true band, I guess is what I'm going to say. And I like all their albums. Well, they did one that was largely acoustic that I wasn't a huge fan of. For the most part, I love their records, but they don't compare to this one. This one is just a incredible, incredible record. Uh, the monitor, like I said, the monitor, it's. Um, it's loosely based off of. Um, it's loosely based off of, the Civil War, and uh, I'm trying to find this here. Yeah, it says, it says loosely based on themes relating to the Civil War. Uh, it says the album title is referenced to the USS Monitor, the first ironclad warship commissioned by the United States Navy. The closing track. The Battle of Hampton Roads refers to the battle between the Monitor and the CSS Virginia, which took place on March 8th through 9th, 1962. According to the band, releasing this record is our way of celebrating the 148th anniversary of this historic event. And um, this one, their band is from Jersey. There's there's nods to Springsteen in this. Um, And it's just... I don't know how I would explain this. You know, I think if I if I were listening to somebody and I had to tell you what, what does this album sound like, I would say take Bright Eyes, take the Gaslight Anthem, and take Springsteen. Throw them in a blender and you may come out with something like this. Um, it's just, like I said, it is one of my favorite albums. Uh, the song, the the song, um, a more perfect union, and this one is just a great song title, a pot in which to piss, which might be my favorite one on there. Four score and seven, to old friends and new, and then the one they that I read about, the uh, the battle of Hampton Roads. That's uh, an amazing song. It's a uh, it's a long song too. That um, Battle of Hampton Roads is fourteen minutes. And they were doing that for a while, where they would end their albums with a very long closeout track. Which, by the way, I, I mentioned a pot in which to piss. They also have a, their first album has a really great name. You a Seinfeld fan? Oh yeah. They have an album called the Air, The Airing of Grievances. <laughs> I mean, how perfect is that? But um, yeah, this isn't okay. When 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 it's when all is said and done we'll see how The Killers comes out because we don't know yet It's we both love it It's I hate to get ahead of myself and start saying it's the greatest thing since sliced bread It's all I've lived with it for a while right now I guess I'd probably have to say this is my favorite concept album Titus Andronicus The Monitor
1: a lot of yours are fairly recent yeah they are I guess they all are really I always thought the band Bowling for Soup missed out. They should have an album called No Soup for You. (laughs) Hey, they did have, by the way,
2: you mentioned, that's a good one too, but they did have a good song, a good album title. Because I think you're probably right there with me on this one that you can agree with this. They had an album Bowling for Soup did called Drunk Enough to Dance. And I always thought that was the greatest song title or album title and one that I I, uh, really related
1: to. Yeah, that's what I have to, uh, um, that's what I have to be. It's like, uh, there's a Black Crow song called Hotel Illness and I tell people I can't dance, but that song gets me as close to thinking as I can. Uh, And then everybody tells me to sit down. All right. My fourth one is going to be one that uh, top five album of all time for me. And that's Alice in Chains Dirt. And uh, if you aren't familiar with the concept behind it, it's, It's about drug addiction and you can follow, you can follow through the songs, the addict getting worse and worse. And it also leads the beginning of the album's kind of like, hey, this mental anguish and being treated poorly, maybe with some mental health issues has led to uh, becoming a heroin addict. And some junkhead, I mean, that's as brutally honest of a song as you're ever going to hear, you know what's my drug of choice? Well, what do you have? You know, and it's even got a line in it. Like where he even talks about being a junkie. And then you have down in the hole, which is about a broken relationship, which, you know, leads a lot of people to drugs, uh, going to rain when I die. I mean, come on, that's depressing. And then you have rooster, uh, you know, j- about Jerry Contrell's father being mistreated when he came back from Vietnam. Obviously that leads to drug addiction. Um, uh, And then, you know, you have the closing song, Wood, if I, you know, just such, such strong lyrics and, uh, this is a depressing, depressing album to listen to, but it's absolutely beautiful. And, uh, it's where you really started to hear the harmonies of Jerry Cantrell and what Jerry Cantrell brought to the band on things like Down in a Hole and Wood and, uh, Rain When I Die, just absolutely a phenomenal album that, uh, it's always gonna be really important to me. Don't listen to a whole lot anymore, but it's always gonna be really important to me. And sadly the problem with the album is this song played out in real life. And it you know, it came to the logical end, you know, ten years later. But uh yeah, one of the darkest albums you're ever gonna to listen to.
2: Yeah, and you know, this is one that I never really thought of as a as a concept record, but the the way you explained to me when we were were texting and, and the way that like you just did it there. You, you really sold it as truly a concept album and it is a very dark piece of work. Um and it it is a great record. It is painful at times and like you said what makes it the most painful is the fact that it became a reality. Um We got a couple albums on this list that are true stories.
0: Yeah.
2: And that's one that I don't think he knew he was writing a true story. No. He may have felt it. But he probably didn't necessarily. If you ever? Have you ever
1: Googled and saw the last known pictures of Lane Staley? No. You won't. You won't even know it's him uh, until his hair is like down to. His, it's really, really long, and he's wearing these eyeglasses that are just way too big for his head, and he can't weigh ninety pounds.
2: It's sad too, because he seemed to be like a lot of them. You know, some of those guys just keep doing it and doing it, and and it takes them out, and it. There seems to be not, not much of an effort in getting better. But he seemed to really want to get better. Yeah. And just,
1: he couldn't. No. you know He really tried. You know, he's, he couldn't do it. He's one of those people that, uh, you know, they're, they're just, they're, it's just so, the odds are so against them that they would, um, you know, be. I'm sending you the picture right now and he's the guy in the middle. Um, They just, um, they're never going to come around. You know, the odds are so so against them. It's like, I don't know if you used to watch that show, um, the Dr. Drew show, Celebrity Rehab. I did. And, you know, he just talked about, like, once that needle goes in the arm, it's so hard to get people back from that.
2: Hey, I wonder if if in this picture if he's wearing gloves,
1: because, you know, I'd heard it i heard, did he really lose fingers? That's always kind of, that? that's always kind of been the rumor. Um, you know, and so that does, could be gloves.
2: Yeah. He does have these gloves on that are pretty intense gloves that I don't I know. Mean,
1: does that look like the guy that stood on that stage and sang man in the box?
2: No, it doesn't. It really doesn't.
1: Well, not to be well, a Debbie Downer. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'll
2: go with, um, my final pick is um, this was one of my favorite albums of 2020 by one of my favorite modern bands and that's The Airborne Toxic Event. And we t- I've talked about them a lot on here and I've talked a lot about this album, Hollywood Park. And this is one that is uh, the companion piece to a book that Mikhail Jolay, um, I mean, he is I mean, they're a band. Don't get me wrong, but hes he's obviously he is the band, and um, he uh, spent about five years writing this book, and the book is about his life. And you know, it's weird because when you when you hear somebody that is a, a newer artist writing a book about their life, you don't—you I, I, don't really know what to expect. I thought maybe I, I didn't know what it was because he—they're—they're they're not like the boat, the biggest band in the world. Uh, they don't seem like they've been around forever. And then he's writing a book. But his book is different. I, it's like, and I think I may have asked you this before, and forgive me if I have, but did you ever see the movie This Boy's Life? Uh-uh. Because it, it reminds me of that, which was also a true story. It had uh, Robert De Niro and Leonardo DiCaprio. But it's a kid that's just really, the odds are against him. He grows up in a, uh, in a cult no longer around. It's called, um, it's called Synanon. And it, uh, it started out as a place where a lot of addicts went to try to get clean. And supposedly they did a lot of good things. They would, I think um, different jails and all, they would send people to this place to try to get clean. And what usually happens in cults happened here. He had a nutcase that took over and, uh, just got the power. And I mean, this guy was crazy. He, uh, he made couples that were in this cult get a divorce, and he assigned them different people to marry within the cult. The kids had to live in what was essentially an orphanage off the main campus And they had caretakers going there. And every now and then the kids got to see their parents. And he wanted to have these kids born of the universe. I mean, yeah, he was was a real whack job. And Mikhail Jolais was in this. Now he was fortunate to get out when he was about five, but when he got out, he dealt with, he lived with his mother, a mother that suffered severely from mental illness. And um, his brother, battled addiction his dad that's how they ended up there in the first place his dad was a heroin addict who that's the really sweet loving part of this book is the relationship he forms with his dad through his i guess junior high through high school years and all that and a guy that grew up for a kid that grew up in this cult or what's full is about five had severe mental illness with his mother his mother always believed that The kid is to take care of the mom, not the other way around. And the hands that he was dealt, and the guy ends up graduating from Stanford with honors, um, becomes a uh, music writer in interviews. He talks about interviewing in the book Robert Smith and David Bowie, his really his two biggest heroes besides uh, Morrissey. And then he just had never really been... In high school or anything like that, he never really had a band. But he forms a band while he's in college, and they end up taking off. And he wrote this book about everything that I've just told you about, and the album is an accompanying piece. And um, yeah, it resonates a lot more once you've when, when you've read that book. But the title track, Hollywood Park, everything I know is broken. Um, true, carry me, uh, the place where we meet, a thousand feet beneath the racetrack Um, that then that's obviously something about his dad he actually when his dad died he took a, a, a bit of his ashes and snuck out onto the horse track while the while the race was going on and threw his dad's ashes out there
1: well that's interesting
2: yeah it's pretty cool yeah he just took a portion of them and threw them out there at this racetrack where he would always go and that that by the way it's hollywood park that that's the name of the book name of the album and he threw a bit of his dad's ashes at the at the track.
1: Probably one while the race was going on. Probably one of the more personal
2: concept albums of all time. It is. It, it's interesting you say that. That's why I was going to say this. This one really is of the ones we talked about. That may be the more. That's probably the most personal on the list. And then as as we wrap up, because I know we we're going to go on on this last one. Um, I think the album that. We just we began talking with and will end talking with, is um, also a very personal one and um, one we probably didn't give enough attention to. I know you wanted to do a whole episode on it, but the killer is this new one, but um, it, it's also a pretty touching, personal, just beautiful, beautiful piece of work, and I'll lead you into your last one.
1: Yes, yeah, the killer Samstown, and for a long time I didn't think that uh they would ever top this and my understanding it's about what brought brandon flowers to that point in his career uh and with the band Um, my gosh that uh read my mind that's in the running for my favorite killer songs um you know it's just it's so good it's so different songs like bones uncle johnny the title track sam's town bling all of those songs are really, really good. And it was a, a fairly dramatic change in style and, and music from the first album. You know. And I remember you know, a lot of their fans got mad because they wanted Hot Fuss Part 2. But this is a band that has shown the ability to change. And, and usually, for the most part, it, it, it works out. Um, I just think it's a, it's, a, it's a great album. It's one of the true gems of this, this century. You know, I know we're only 21 years into it, but uh, in my opinion, it's a classic.
2: It, it is. And it's one that, honestly, when you had this, I said, OK, cool. I'm trying to decide on what albums I can put on there because I wanted to put this on mine. And so I said, great, you got it covered. I don't need to do that. So I'm cheating again. So I, I got seven of mine on the list.
1: And I mean, <laughs> on the list. When, when you were young, it's one of the great arena rockers of the last 20, 20 years.
2: Well, you mentioned Samstown When you were young, uh, For Reasons Unknown, Read My Mind, The List, and my favorite one on there, This River Is Wild. I, I love that song. That, too, was probably my favorite killer's record until the new one. I, um, and it really is. We're, we're talking a lot about this, that, but the, the evolution and the changes they've made where they go from a really a throwback 80s sound with Hot Fuss, and then they come out with this one, but I don't really know where you categorize it. Maybe a little bit more of that, still that sound mixed with a little bit more of the kind of the Springsteen type. Um, then they do Day and Age, which is almost elements of dance music. And then they return, I feel like they return more to the Samstown sound with uh, Battleborn. And Battleborn is their forgotten album in my opinion. That's like the one that people just don't realize just how great it is. And is there then... a
1: better song to see in concert than Runaways? Shit. Yeah. Well, I I don't know. I haven't seen them live, but I got to believe it is. Go watch some of the videos.
2: I have seen them, I have seen them on, on a concert on, on TV before, but uh, Sam's Town is a real remarkable record and it's one that you're right, they had a lot of success. Off Hot Fuss. And then this one comes out, and it was it was a band who, a lot of bands don't have the guts to do, change the sound, when the four previous formula put out a ton of singles. And just a massive hit album. And I love this one. And then they come out with Killers, and, I mean, sorry. They come out with, uh, geez, tell me what the name of it. Pressure um, Machine. The new Pressure Machine. They come out with this, and it is... Yeah, it's 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 a masterpiece from beginning to end. And I, I just want to, as we wrap up, I want to go back to this album and just talk about the way, just from the way it starts, that opening. The opening one is talking about where, where um, they've always lived there, and talking about that town, um, quiet town. You you told me to go read on the um, on YouTube, look at the comments, and people talking about how they they had heard that he was doing this song about this couple that got killed on the tracks but they they didn't really realize that it was going to be entirely their story and it's uh, one of the things i said on that i read on there is they because this guy was friends with um i think the brother of the girl and he said that the mom hasn't been able to listen still hasn't listened to the song she can't listen to it
1: What's well, got that lyric about they were planning to have a baby and then it goes trouble came and shut shut us down shut it down
2: yes it it's um, you know and it, it's a great little companion piece I love when iTunes does this when you can go on there and you can you can read these uh, these comments about it like I talked about West Hills is an opening track says it's this is Brandon Flowers. it says there's a whole subculture in Utah in my experience because we associate Utah with Mormonism. Having grown up there, a lot of people outside of Utah aren't aware of people who don't adhere to religion. There's this whole thing of dirt bikes and four wheelers and beer and finding different ways to find your salvation other than a church pew on Sunday that took some liberties on the song. But it's based on a real story. And that's really the way the whole album is. It's it's based on a real story. Uh, Cody, you talked about that one. The. the the song Runaway Horses and that that's a sad that that intro where it's the girl talking about the the horse that at the race and and um, broke its leg and the girl is just down there crying and the whole crowd is crying she's laying there with her horse and then you talked about your know, desperate things that uh that's a that's a dark story there yeah. and the getting by is just um, yeah, this is what he says on getting by says even though there is a struggle and even there and even though there is strife and toiling, there's still hope. That's what makes these people who they are. They get up and go to work every day. I have a lot of respect for them, and I don't feel that far removed from them. And I thought about people like my uncles and my dad and my nephews and my cousins and really wanted to capture what I saw in their lives.
1: Well it leaves and you it leaves you with a glimmer of hope. It does. And you know,
2: I don't look at it as that I don't necessarily, I know you said there, it it talks about the good and the bad. I don't really even look, it it is sad, but I find more beauty than sadness in this album. I really do. I find much more beauty in it. And to me, from his point of view, it sounds like there is a true love and appreciation of the place where he came from.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, he, let's see the lyrics. um, uh, Yeah. it's, you know, it says every time I see my parents in the prime of their lives, offering their son the kind of love he could never put down, that part of me is still that stainless kid, lucky.
2: Yeah. Yes. It, I mean, this is, um. you know, if you, if you, David and I don't always agree, as you know, you know, well, usually I'm talking about death heaven as he's just shaking his head thinking i don't i just don't get it same thing like when huddy david starts talking about his love of kiss i don't no, get that no, out no, no. come on man come on <laughs> but uh this is one where we absolutely agree and here it is we're wrapping up eighth month out of 12 and i'll say it right now david i I think this is gonna be the first time we have an agreement on We're going
1: we're gonna have three albums in the top ten.
2: Yeah, but I think this is, I, I it's things can change.
1: Our top feel, two our top two could possibly be the same. Could be. But
2: I feel like I feel like our number one, we just spent a lot of time talking about it. We talked more about this and we have any new record. If that's not a sign that you need to give it a shot, guess I don't know what is.
1: Well, Brandon Flowers is one of the most underrated front men of all time. A total showman live. He does little things with his voice to me that are so cool. Like there's the lyric in here toward the end of quiet town where he goes, the first crop of hay is up school let out. And the sun beats down. It's the way he say, this says the sun beats down. It's just a little inflection in his voice. Um, It just, it gives me chills. And I just think he's a, he's a, I've done a lot of reading on him since I'm, he's a good dude. He's he a does really, seem right he's too. a really, really good person. Um, uh, I just left on that, uh, live from the Royal Albert Hall when they're, before they play when we were young and he's thanking everybody. And he, you know, basically saying, we got this one more big song for you. And he looks back at the band, he goes, all right, boys, let's see what this thing can do. You know, and they kick into it and it's, you know, got that amazing opening part with the, with the guitar. And I'm going to do everything I can to go see him in Atlanta next year. I strongly urge you to do the same. Uh, I want to go see them so bad, man. I told you, I would probably be down with doing that. Um, Yeah. He's
2: with Brandon flowers. He is a, um, you know, we talk about the songs and his ability to write these songs. These um, he's proven. He can write these throwback retro 80 songs. He's done the dance type stuff. He's done more just the straight rock. I think sometimes we forget, too, just how truly great his voice is. I mean, I'm talking about how remarkable Titus Andronicus the monitor is. Patrick Sickles isn't a great vocalist. Neutral Milk Hotel, you're not going to hear great vocals. This guy's a really gifted songwriter, vocalist, lyricist. I mean, he proved it on this one. Like I said, he... He put out, I'm going to
1: say it again, he put out his Nebraska.
2: And, um, yeah, it's a five-star
1: album. It's his his, um, 59 sound.
2: Yeah, it's another way to put it.
1: All right, so what we're going to do this week, you've heard us talking about this song, we're going to have to close with it. That's the closing song from Pressure Machines called The Getting By, and I am going to play the version that has the interview on it because I think the interviews are essentially another part of the band on this album. They're totally necessary. You, they, yeah, they they set the tone. So, people go out and buy pressure machines. I promise you, if you like have any kind of taste in music whatsoever, even if you're like a Kiss fan, I think you could find something. <laughs> in it to like. Now, if you like heat, though, if you like heat, I don't know if you can go that far. Yeah,
2: yeah you're probably not gonna lie, it's probably in for
1: you. So, I just mean, go, I, just go
2: rock somebody's body. Yeah, I mean, rock
1: your body versus getting by, anyway uh, this is probably the first time Chris and I've ever been in this agreement on anything in life. So, you know, it's got to be good. So here it is, the closing track, the getting by, take care everybody. And we'll see you soon. It's just
0: small town feeling and just live in this small town. And like my kids ride dirt bikes and motorcycles and they just go across the street in the field and ride. I can watch them off my front porch. Um, my one boy's into shed horn hunting so he'll take off and go park his truck out west and be gone all day and they the mountains are just in our backyard (laughs) that's the nice part about it
3: when i get up she swears that she don't hear Says that I'm as quiet as a mouse I comb my hair And throw some water on my face And back out of the stillness of our house Lately my patience Is in short supply Nothing good seems to ever come From all this work No matter how hard I try You know I believe in the sun I ain't no backslider but my people were told they'd prosper in this land Still I know some who've never seen the ocean They set one foot on a velvet bed of sand But they've got their treasures Laying way up high Where there might be many mansions But when I look up All I see is sky Maybe it's the kitten bite That gets right underneath you Could swallow up your head.
2: My grandkids, when it comes through, they run out and they look down the road because they like to see it go by.